awesome. So this is Fivefold Family. If you're new, this is a teaching series coming out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and, uh, and the, uh, up to kind of verse 16. Uh, but it talks about where Jesus gave the five kind of giftings of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher to the church, to equip the church, to build up the body of Christ, to bring us to maturity in Jesus, to look more like Him, essentially. That's the role of the five. They're five kind of representatives uh, of the, the nature of Jesus, um, bringing people into wholeness and oneness. So as we kind of do a quick review of what the different giftings are, so essentially the apostle is the one who equips the church to expand the kingdom. So to see the kingdom spread, it keeps people focused on living as sent ones for Jesus into all of the world. Not that we are withdrawing from the world, that we're not hiding away from the world. We're not trying to protect ourselves from the world. The world should be protecting themselves from us. Not that they need protection from us, but you know what I'm saying. It's like we're the ones on the forefront blessing and serving and loving and bringing transformation and life to the world. We are on the offensive. Amen. All right. So apostles equip the church to expand the kingdom. The prophet equips the church to receive and to release the Father's heart. So to hear his voice and to communicate what God is saying, but to keep people connected to him and faithful to him. Not getting caught up doing lots of Christian activities and ignoring him, but partnering with God to see, again, his kingdom come and his will be done. The evangelist equips the church to connect with the world and to connect the world to God. So evangelists are great recruiters of people, drawing us together to say, hey, let's, let's go out into the world, but draw people back into the family of God, restoring that relationship to the Father. The shepherd equips the church to be relationally healthy and connected as a family. So shepherds are great at building community, building connection, keeping relationships healthy. That's what I touched on last week. You can go and watch all of the other weeks of this. So the final one is the teacher or the teaching kind of gift set. So there's a book by a guy called Alan Hirsch who's written extensively on the fivefold ministry. There's a book called 5Q. Uh, if you have a, the, a teaching gift, you, you might enjoy this book. If you don't, you might not. Uh, only because it's just it's 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 just kind of for those types of people. It's quite uh, wordy and intellectual in the space of this sort of like Bible talk. It's not that people aren't smart enough to read. It's just like unless you live in that world and you really love that stuff. So I read Alan Hirsch and I'm just like yeah frothing. And I know other people who read us is like dude, it's just like intense and all the language and the different words and things. So if you're a word nerd like me, you might enjoy it. But I encourage you to read it. It's a good book, isn't it? Anyone? Read it? Just me. Amen. All right, so he, he talks about this and he says, the teacher is the one um, that is concerned with the mediation, so the up and down and the appropriation or the in and out of wisdom and understanding. So already he's used the words mediation and appropriation in the first sentence of this, so you understand what I'm saying. But this is the naturally philosophical type that brings comprehensive understanding of the revelation given to the church. It's a guiding and discerning function. In the biblical tradition, emphasis falls on wisdom and not simply on speculative philosophy. Teaching, of course, also involves integrating the intellectual and spiritual treasure of the community and encoding it in order to pass it on to others and to the next generations. So the teacher is taking that revelation, that understanding from God and then presenting it to people, but hopefully in a way that's understandable and receivable that they can then actually take it, encode it and apply it into their lives. So that's the role of the teacher. So they can even take complex ideas and concepts and present them in a simple way. Now again, sometimes in the teaching gift set, you can take um, you know, complicated concepts and then present them in a more complicated way. Uh, that's not what, we don't want that to happen, okay? We want it, it's, it's complicated to simple in order to be grasped, in order to be received, in order to be understood, and then in order that we might obey it and actually live it out in our lives. We're not just interested, and again, we can get caught up in that. We're not just interested in, in high and lofty thoughts and, oh, we're so smart and so clever and we know all the Bible inside and out. It's like, that's it's good, but not all that good, because if it's not being applied, then there's no life coming out of it. And the whole intent as to why the revelation was given to the church loses its, its purpose. It's given that it might 
actually have an impact and change. Jesus even challenged uh, the religious leaders of his time who knew the Old Testament inside and out. But he says to them, it's like, you know all the words and yet you miss me in the midst of it. You're kind of missing the point of what it's all about. So what we want to make sure, if, if you've kind of acknowledged, hey, I think I have that teaching gift, it's really, really important that you don't get caught up just all about knowledge and all about the more I understand, the better. It's actually the more that we apply into our lives is what we need to do. It's what Jesus says, uh, you know, the, the one who hears my words and obeys them is the wise builder. The one who hears my words and doesn't obey them is a foolish builder. We can hear all the words we want, but if we're not applying them and living them out, then we're actually potentially more foolish than before we read it. Uh, Neil Cole, who's written about uh, missional church stuff, he says that the modern Western church is educated beyond its obedience. All of this knowledge, all of this understanding, we live in a day and age where we have access to endless amounts of teaching. It's not just that, well, I live in a little town and I've got, you know, our, our one priest or pastor in our little church and that's where I go to receive all of my understanding or if you imagine hundreds of years ago it was really I, you couldn't even get access to a bible they weren't available themselves so I had to go and and listen to someone else teach me that was my only source of of revelation from God now we've got podcasts and sermons from every church all over the world that we have access to so we have all of this information and yet it can seem like in some ways there's less transformation because there's less obedience the Great Commission is to teach them to obey. So even the teaching gift, it requires activation and obedience in order for it to come to fullness. So teachers help to equip the saints to understand for themselves and also to communicate to others the deep truths of God and His kingdom. They teach people to be teachers rather than just learners. They impart not just the understanding of a truth, but also the ability to share that truth with other people. In a fivefold family, everyone is equipped as a teacher. Learners who become those who help others to learn. So again, we're not just interested as we're equipping you from this platform or in everyday discipleship that we're journeying through. We're not just in, interested in giving out information, but also helping you to grasp and understand then to be able to communicate that to other people. So again, we don't say, hey, just bring all of your friends that don't know Jesus to us and we'll disciple them. We want to say, no, 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 you're the best person to disciple them. And where you're lacking in understanding and knowledge, that's a really great opportunity for you to ask. That which you don't know should draw you towards the seeking in order to find out. This is, was, again, part of the rabbi-disciple relationship that existed. So we hear words like rabbi, Jesus was a rabbi, which means a teacher. He had disciples, and that was a normal kind of custom of the time. But in that relationship, the rabbi wasn't the one who would sit up and bring the students in. Okay, students, now I'm time to teach you a class and then give them a whole lot of information and then maybe give them a quiz at the end of the week. What the teacher would do or the rabbi would do would just be, he would go about his life. And it was the job of the disciple to inquire of the rabbi hey, why did you do that? Hey, why did you say that? Or, or why did you say that in the way that you did? And why, why didn't you do that? And, and or why did you do this instead of that? They were always inquiring. That was part of the relationship that they had. Then the rabbi would explain themselves. If you watch the relationship between Jesus and his disciples, he might get up and he might communicate things. But again, he's communicating to the crowd in parables. He's deliberately using a format of teaching that didn't even allow people to understand it straight away in order that they might inquire. So what do the disciples do? It's like, okay, Jesus, um, what was that all about? <laughs> you sat down for like half hour, you were talking out stuff, it's like, we have no idea what you're talking about. But they would inquire of him and then he would give them understanding. Okay, so there was a time where it was in the inquiring that that was drawn out. So again, we're probably caught up, and this can be from even from our modern schooling system, where you've got the teacher, they are the fountain of all knowledge, and the students are there just simply as a receptacle. Whatever the teacher says, that's what I understand. If the teacher doesn't say it, I don't understand it. It's not necessarily the greatest way of producing understanding and knowledge from someone. What we want to have is to produce great inquirers, 
People who ask the right questions know how to seek out information. I know for me, when I did my apprenticeship as an electrician, we had a, the electrical kind of code book. It was like your little Bible where you would go for all the rules and regulations around different electrical installations and what you can and can't do. And they started to change it at the time I was doing my apprenticeship to, to say, we're not going to give you all of the information. We're just going to help you to know where to look for the information. It was that difference of saying, here's, here's it all, and, and we'll just pump it into your brain. But to say, you need to know where you can find what you need to know. You need to, we're going to teach you how to search it out. And I think for us, we need maybe a bit of a, a, a paradigm shift around when it comes to learning in Christian community, that the onus is upon us to seek out understanding than it is upon the person to do all of the communicating. Now, there might be someone who has more understanding than you, but it's up to you to actually seek out that wisdom and understanding, to ask those right questions, to challenge ideas and concepts. And not to, even if you hear something that you disagree with, don't just go, oh, I disagree with that and move on. Say, I, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I want to wrestle that out. I want to have a conversation. I want to dig deeper about this because I want to have understanding. I want to get to the, the, that source of truth. Amen? Seekers of truth is what we are to be. Now, we know truth in Christ, but there is so much. I mean, the Bible is a complex book to understand. If we assume that, oh, just a surface reading will give us all of the understanding, we are mistaken. Because we have countless uh, kind of differences of opinion in Christian community. So we need revelation in order to have understanding. And we also need to sometimes just let stuff go that's actually not all that important. I think the church argues about way too much stuff and they do far too little to actually action what they do know. I would say you know already enough of the Bible that you're not obeying, uh, that if you just went out and did that, you'd, you'd, things would be much better for you and everyone else and the world. Love God and love others. Greatest commandment. Boom, start there. All right, I'm gonna love God with my heart, with my soul, with my mind, with my strength. I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself. That's enough. I mean, that's why Jesus said, to the, the religious leaders, this sums up all of the prophets, all of their understanding, all of their stuff into two little sentences. Love God with every part of your being, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Go out and do that. Come back and check in when you're done. That's a lifetime there. I'm not saying don't read the rest of the Bible. All I'm saying is there's so much that we, can, that we already know that if we actually lived it out, we'd find life and revelation coming. So it's not just an intellectual function, but it's a revelation of the spiritual wisdom of God. It requires the Holy Spirit to bring out the truth in order for someone to be a true teacher. We need that revelatory dimension. It's almost like a prophetic aspect of, of the teaching gift. So it's not just reading the Bible and then reading commentaries that someone else has written and reading books about it, but it's inquiring of the Lord what does that mean? What are you trying to say there, God? What are you wanting to communicate? There's a, there's a prophetic aspect that comes to the teaching gift. Again, it's not about knowing, trying to know a book from back to front in the Bible, but it's about pursuing knowing the Father inside and out. Knowing God, that's the point of the Scriptures, is that we might know Him. He is a person. He's not a concept. He's not an idea in a book. He's real and He's tangible, and we want to get to know Him. So our intimacy with the Holy Spirit will directly impact our ability to receive and communicate truth from God. Uh, John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, it's the Holy Spirit, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't just rely on the Holy Scriptures. We need the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who makes the Scriptures holy because that's when revelation and understanding comes. There's been religions even that have based themselves off the book of the Bible and they're distorted and twisted because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the Spirit of God to bring that revelation and understanding. So it's important for us every time we inquire of the Lord that we're relying upon Him to speak but it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to go through the whole section of, of this scripture because it's long, but um, 
1 Corinthians 2, chapter, uh, verse 6, up to verse 16. Uh, essentially, this is where Paul is, is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says to them, um, I did not come to you with lofty words of wisdom and all this eloquence. I came and I demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit and a real simple message of Christ and Him crucified, that your uh, faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So the Apostle Paul comes to the Corinthian church and we find out as you read on, it's because they were fleshly minded, they were carnally minded, even potentially quite intellectual people. So Paul deliberately came to this community, said, I'm not gonna give you all these fancy words. I'm gonna say, hey, the message is real simple. Christ, Christ crucified, and let me show you the power of the Holy Spirit. To mess with them. <laughs> he was messing with them. He said, like, oh, give us revelation, give us understanding, give us wisdom. He's like, I can't do that to you because you're kindly minded. You're all, you're all in the flesh. You're all into intellectualism. And he goes on then to say, look, we do impart spiritual wisdom to those who are spiritual, to those who can receive it. But in this, in this instance, you guys weren't able to do it. So there is something of, of utilizing our mind. We should have, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about the renewal of our minds. Our minds are really important. Information is, is okay. Being intellectual and, and loving those sorts of things, it's okay. But we want to be a people that lean into revelation of God, that are an intimate relationship with God, and that understanding that comes from Him, backed up by Scripture. Um, anyway, so I'll leave you, leave you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in your own time. So again, we teach from the Bible as our primary resource of revelation information. It's not the only way that God speaks, but it is our greatest resource and an important checkpoint. There are things that God can say to you that you won't find directly written in the Bible. God doesn't always talk in, thus saith the Lord to you, okay? Or in, in Old English or King James, but He might do that to you, bless you. But he doesn't, you know, he's not necessarily always going to quote a scripture to you. He's already, like he's, he's already said that stuff. So all I'm saying is you might not find it directly matched up. It's not going to contradict his character though. So we use the Bible as a, as a checkpoint, as a reference point to say, because I mean, if, is God going to talk to you about how much time you should spend on YouTube? Are you going to find that in the Bible? No, does he have an opinion? He might. Can you inquire of him? Absolutely, you can. And might he give you an answer? Absolutely. But it might not come from, you know, some, there's, there's no technology in the Bible. So we can hear from God, and it's not, but is he going to say, no, you should spend 24 hours a day on YouTube because it's the greatest thing that you've ever come across. You should neglect your family and quit your job and just sit on YouTube all day consuming epic cap videos and, and fail videos and all that sort of stuff, you know. And you say, hmm, is, is that the Lord saying that to me? Because it seems like maybe it's contradicting the character of God that we find in Scripture, okay? So I'm saying God will speak, but so it's not just I need to hear from God, I'll open up the Bible. That's a good way to hear from God. But you can just ask Him and inquire of Him and He'll drop a thought in your mind, He'll give you a picture, He'll give you a dream, He'll give you a prophetic word from somebody else. God speaks in a multitude of ways, but never in contradiction to what He has already said. You know, I've heard people say things like, well, I just, I just feel peace about it. Um, or I feel like God is okay with me doing it. Uh, even though it is in direct contradiction to what the Bible's already said. So that's when you say, well, if you have peace, doesn't mean it's peace from God. It can be peace because it's the absence of understanding or the absence of wisdom, or you've been stuck in sin for so long that your conscience has been seared, which the Bible does talk about, and now you have actually have no feeling about it towards God because you're stuck, you're so trapped in that place, and you've justified it for a whole lot of reasons, and the issue is God now can't speak into that place because you've cut off His voice, okay? Ah, oh, but I feel okay about it. Well, that's good. Uh, but not good for you. <laughs> like, well done. Uh, but do you know what I'm saying? So we've got to understand there's this resource there that we have access to, and it's good to be led by peace, but as long as it's peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. So we need a reference point for our revelation, and we are incredibly blessed to have the Bible. But the Bible without the Holy Spirit can lead us astray. The Holy Spirit is given to us 
The Bible wasn't given to us to lead us into all truth. I'm sorry if that's a sacred cow for anybody. It's just not, the, and the Bible doesn't tell you that, okay? Jesus says, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Is he gonna reference the Scriptures? Absolutely. Is he gonna contradict the Scriptures? Absolutely not. But to understand, he is the one that we go to. He is the one that we rely upon. It's his voice. And if you're like, well, I don't know his voice, then you can get to know him because he's speaking. And if you say, I'm one of his sheep, well, the Bible says that the sheep hear his voice. So we can go and inquire of him. And he can come from reading the scriptures and come from prayer, come from a whole lot of places. Amen. Has that verse, has that, have I upset anyone? Oh, try harder next time. That's a joke. It's a joke. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He will lead us to discover the truth of God that is recorded in the Bible. Now, again, we're not talking about search out the Holy Spirit all and then just spend time in, you know, all these kind of amazing mystical things. We're not talking about extra biblical revelations, okay? So the Bible talks about this concept of Gnosticism where people say, well, I know stuff that's even greater than the Bible. I know stuff, well, yeah, well, it's not in there, but it's, it's better. I've got this secret revelation from God, okay? That's not godly. That's not good. If, if, you're, if, you, if you have an encounter with God and God shows you some things and you're like, hey, that's, that's cool. It could even be things like feel, you feel like it's prophetic stuff about what's happening in the government or what's happening in different areas and spheres. That's, that's, that's okay. But don't, don't put it in the same kind of reference as what the Bible is. Well, I can't find it in the Bible. It's like, cool, it might be from God. It might not be. Might be a good idea. Might be a good concept. Might be something to pray into. But don't lean on it in the way that you might lean on what the Scriptures say about stuff. Yeah? Treat it as a possibility rather than a point of truth. Again, the Apostle Paul, has he fought, goes into trances, it's in the Bible. There's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible when we, when we don't flip over those pages and read it all. But he, he does. And he has these encounters with God and he goes up to the third heaven. All these sort of weird and wacky things that he's, that he's speaking about. But he's like, but I'm, but I'm not, not going to tell you about those things. So even Paul himself, is, is, he's kind of checking himself as he's writing to these different groups of people. It's like, man, there's some, there's some wacky stuff out there but we're just gonna keep it a bit more simple and not go into all those things, amen? So if you're a mystic, if you love all of that sort of mystical God encounters and unicorns and all that sort of stuff, like it's awesome, bless you. But keep it in that space of like, hey, this is just how God speaks to me, this is cool, but I draw it back and find stability in the scripture, amen? So why is it important to have an understanding of the things of the kingdom? Why is it important that we are to teach and have understanding? Well, it helps to prevent error and perversion. So to have a good understanding of the scriptures, to have a good understanding of who God is, his character and nature, it helps to prevent error and perversion. Ephesians 4.14 speaks of that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. If we don't have understanding and revelation ourselves, and someone can come along with an idea and get us distracted and diverted and drawn away from God. I've seen it happen for people where they get so kind of intensely focused on this obscure kind of uh, Christian aspect, this obscure perspective of the Bible, and they get so consumed and caught up in it that they neglect all of the other good things that God has said. It could be like end time stuff. Oh, well, God, he's coming back on this date at this time because this number and this word means this number and all of that. sort. And they get so consumed. But it's like, but, but are you loving God? And are you, are you loving your neighbor? And are you, are you serving them? Are you doing all of the things that God commanded you to do? I'm okay to have, to talk about that and have, you know, be interested in all of that, but not to be consumed and drawn into that sort of stuff because it ends up becoming a distraction for us from the simplicity of what the life that God has called us to lead. And it means we can also be drawn away. So it embeds truth in our hearts to help us to remain steadfast in times of trouble. This is hugely important. If we only rely on how we are feeling or on our circumstance around us, we'll constantly be thrown about. Deep truth is an anchor in the troubled seas of life. 
there's some times where I, I notice that people, when they're not grounded in the truth of Scripture, they're not memorizing helpful Scriptures. And so when, when times of trouble come, and then all of a sudden they're just tossed to and fro and, and all the troubles of life and they lose sight of the fact of who God is. Or they might be challenged by the enemy to be, is God really that good? Is God really gonna come through as God? And you're like, well, yeah, I know because I've experienced it, but also know this is what the Bible says, that God is this and God is this and God will do this. So I'm gonna stand on that promise, not on how I'm feeling, not on what my circumstance prevails to me. It's the point of prophetic words is that it's going to hold us steadfast in times of trouble. Sometimes that's the point of a prophetic word is that we actually, God said this, so I'm going to hold on to every part of my circumstances to say in the opposite, but I know God spoke to me, so I know God's going to do it, so I'm just going to stay faithful to Him. Having a good understanding of the Scriptures helps us to remain faithful to God in times of trouble. And this is one of the realities that teachers aren't afraid to speak the truth and challenge our beliefs, especially if our truth seems to conflict with the Bible. You know, this is something that I find sometimes where people get worked up because you might say something they, they disagree with or it challenges them. It's like, that is the point of teaching. If we all sat around and I just simply shared with you things you already knew and were already doing, it would be a little bit of a waste of time. So the assumption in, from a teaching perspective, is that there's things that you might not know or there's things that you might know that aren't, aren't fully correct. And again, I'm not saying because I know them. I'm saying if this is what the Bible says, I say, hey, we want to live in, in alignment with what God has said. That's what a good disciple would do. And they would inquire of their rabbi. I'm not interested in you doing what I'm telling you to do. I'm, I'm not your boss. I'm not in charge of you. I'm responsible to to communicate the scriptures to you, but you're responsible to, to, to live them out and do what you want to do. So I'm not here to try and get you to agree with Brad Joss. I'm more than happy for you to disagree with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes I disagree with me. But it's the, the point is that we're all wrestling together because truth is what we're after. Truth is what we're chasing. Now, truth is a person in Christ, but that's what we want to go for. Not my opinion or your opinion, my idea or your idea. We're all fighting to say, no, there's something outside of us. It's represented most fully in the person of Jesus. That's what we want. So I'm willing to lay down what I think is true in order to go after what is absolutely true. Now, for me, I, I live by conviction. I'm a conviction-driven type person. So I want to say I believe something to be true. And sometimes, oftentimes, there's things where I was like, I'm 100% sure that I'm correct. You need to be in order to have conviction. But I'm 100% ready to be 100% wrong. How does that work? <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's a paradox in a way, but I'm like, I, I'm not gonna give my life to something where I'm like, eh, I'm not too sure about that. No, no, I'm sure that God has said this. I'm sure this is what the scripture, and I'm gonna live in conviction, but I'm prepared at any moment for God to correct me and for that to, correction to come through anyway, and then I get, I get the blessed opportunity of repentance. Repentance means to change your mind. Repentance isn't the one-time non-Christian to Christian conversion moment. Repentance is a constant state of being that we live in. Constantly having our minds changed, our minds renewed, our understandings shifted. And if we're not postured in that place, so we can live with conviction, but also prepared at any point that God will call me to repent. So, hey, you need to change your mind. It's, oh, thank you, Jesus. Not like, oh, no, I have to repent. It's like, what a joy that we get to repent because I get to have my mind changed. I get to have my thoughts transformed and altered to step into a greater measure of truth. It's good. Repentance is a gift. Never shy away from repentance. Never shy away from correction. I've, I, I'm not sure there's been many times where I've been corrected and I've loved it. Oh, makes me feel a little warm and fuzzy inside. No, it could be embarrassing. 
can be really challenging, really hard. And, you, and because again, your intent might not be there, but you realize, yeah, I've been doing that or I've been saying that or I've been behaving in that way and it's confronting. But what I do is I find, but there's a truth and there's a goodness that God is, and God is talking in this moment and that's what I have to take away. So that's what I'm gonna hold on to. Uh, not the embarrassment, not the shame, not the, you know, whatever it is, the, the, the stab to the pride. I love stabbing pride especially if it's my own, if my pride, because I don't want that sucker, because that kills, that opposes the presence of God in my life, okay? So I'm all for humiliation. But all I'm saying is I want to hold on to the fact that, but there's truth in this. I've shared many times, there's been times where I've been confronted and, and, and called to repentance, and I'm like, I, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like it that it's you that's saying it. <laughs> but I know that it's true, so I'm going to receive it as a gift, I'm gonna work through the challenge of all of those things, but I'm like, thank you, Lord, that you revealed it to me. And I just want that quicker. I just want that sooner. Um, all right. 10 past 11. All right, so another good reason why for, for the teaching gift, it helps us to spread the kingdom. You know, there's that saying, uh, give a man a fish, you'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, he'll eat for generations. Um, so we can receive the benefit of the kingdom without a revelation of the kingdom. So many people experience the reality of the kingdom in the time of Jesus. They, they encountered the reality of this new sphere of existence that is right before them. But only the disciples received the revelation of the kingdom. So they repented. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is a hand. He, and he shows them, and this is what it looks like. Here's a demonstration. Here's some proof that the kingdom of God is at hand. Miracles, signs, wonders, transformation, freedom, life, all of this good stuff happening. The disciple says, we receive that. Okay, they, they received the revelation, they repented, and they were able to enter in. The crowd had an experience, but the disciples entered into a lifestyle. This is the difference every time, at least once in the sermon series, got to interrupt me. <clears throat> what we don't want is to hear a lot of good information. We could sit under lots of great teaching. We could say, oh, that's great, great sermon, great word, great this, that, or whatever, and not enter into the life that is contained in the words of Jesus. Otherwise, we can have an experience of something. I can see, look what God has done. I can have an experience. But God's like, I'm, I'm inviting you into a lifestyle. But it requires repentance to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It requires that revelation. But that's the invitation that we have. And it's, then it comes as, I want to learn those things. This was my experience when I had a kind of baptism in the Holy Spirit moment. What it felt like to me was, um, this whole new realm of, of understanding and reality opened up to me, this kingdom realm. I'd been a Christian for many, many years. I'd planted this church already. Six months in, I had this encounter with God, and all of a sudden, it's like I felt like a child in this whole brand new world of the kingdom of God, this spiritual kind of dimension. I, that's all I can, the words I can use to explain it. But it meant in that space then, I positioned myself as a learner to receive all of the information that I could, all of the understanding, all of the revelation. Because I'm like, I want to know everything about this place. I want to know everything about how to experience God in this place. So I would stand around people as, and, and listen to them pray. I would fly, I fl we flew to the other side of Australia to, to sit under the teaching of someone who was walking in this revelation of the kingdom. And experience that. And I was up in the prayer line every time I could. I went to every single conference that I could go to in order to receive. I want to learn about this kingdom realm. I don't want it to be, I had this nice experience of God one time. I want it to be my lifestyle where I live constantly in this place. If we're coming in every Sunday, oh, that worship felt really nice. Oh, yes, oh, it was a good word. And oh, it just feels, I just love being there. I just always feel good on a Sunday. And then you go away and Monday is just, you just lose all of that. It's like, it's, it's, what benefit is there? What, I, what I, my desire is that we would walk into Monday feeling the same way, experiencing God in the same way, that I can 
put on a music at home and have the same encounter than what I did on a Sunday. That is every moment of every day because it's the same Holy Spirit. You're a mobile temple of the Holy Spirit is with you wherever you go. So you don't need to come here. There is something of the corporate expression of God, the corporate expression of worship, the unity that comes and the way God shows up and moves in a different way. And I love it. And I receive, because I'm like, oh, this is something good to be in a, in a situation where I'm just receiving from what God is doing. I'm receiving from how somebody else is serving me and ministering to me. But if I don't walk into Monday with that same fruitfulness, then there's something that I'm missing. And that's what understanding brings. Okay, that revelation that we can walk in every day. And again, we don't just want receivers, but believers. Believers put what they receive into practice. Obedience is actually what proves something to be true. I can give you a whole lot of information, but it's only when you go out and attempt to obey it that it will become true to you. It's a concept otherwise. It's an idea. Oh yeah, I guess, you know, I believe God heals. Cool. So are you praying for people to be healed? Oh, no, no. Cool. Well, do you really believe it? Because if you really believed it, every sick person you'd see, you'd be praying for. So even in that, you say, it's only in as I go to obey that what is confronted is, I don't believe. I like the idea of believing that. I want it to be true. But it's as I walk out is when I actually prove it to be true. It's, the, it's that analogy of, you know, if I put a chair out here and I invited someone to come and sit on it, and I could tell you, this chair will hold you up. And you could look at it and go, yeah, it looks like it's, it could hold me up. But you will, you will only know that it's going to hold you up when you sit on it. <laughs> when you actually put it into practice. And that's why Jesus calls us, go and obey this stuff. And you might actually discover it's true and it's real. And God still moves today and God still does these things. Or you'll do it and it didn't work. But I know that it's true. I have the conviction, so I'm gonna try again. And I'm gonna try again. I'm gonna keep on trying and keep on trying until it's proven. Prove the will of God, prove the desires of God. You know, the gospel is a reality that is expressed through a message, but also through a demonstration. But again, so it's receiving the understanding that it's going and putting it into practice. And this is why I think even sometimes we might need to go back and just start, start reading the book of Matthew. Start reading one of the Gospels, looking at the life of Jesus and saying, what did he do? Then, and that's what he wants me to do. Cool, Jesus went and healed the sick. All right, Jesus, my, my week this week, I'm just gonna go and pray for the sick. Wherever I see them, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask, hey, can I, can I pray? I'm gonna live with this expectation. Get back to that, sim like there is some simple realities of what God has called us and how he's called us to live. And sometimes we can get so caught up in really not that essential stuff. Like this is great when we gather together and I can put a sermon together and we can all go, yeah, yeah, it's good. Oh, yes, yeah, Revelation. Oh, awesome, Bible's good. Jesus is good. We love you, God. But if the world isn't changed through your life being in it, there's just something that's disconnected there. The flow isn't happening. Jesus is interested in your workplace. He's moving there. You might not see it because you're not looking for it, but he's moving. He's moving in schools. He's moving in universities. He's moving in families. He's moving in communities. He is out there doing it. He is, on, he is nonstop on mission to see his kingdom come and his will be done. The reason he's called you to us to pray it is so that we would come into agreement with him. Not that we would go and do something he's not that interested in. Oh, just go keep yourself busy. It's your will be done. So it's his desire. My desire is that my kingdom would come to the earth. So again, when we pray, we're not saying, yes, God, you should do that. <laughs> we're saying, God, I agree. And in my amen comes a responsibility. Because I'm saying, so be it, which means in my life, 
so be it. Through my life, your kingdom would come, your will would be done. The most important reason why we teach people is because it reveals Jesus. That's what we want. When we teach information that is birthed by the Holy Spirit, carried by the Holy Spirit, it produces revelation, and that revelation leads to transformation. The end goal of an understanding of the Bible is that we might be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Not that we might know a book back to front. Because we can read the whole Bible. We could, you could memorize it back to front. You could miss Jesus. Because he's found in the doing. A mature community wrestles with the truth. A mature community pursues the truth. A mature community speaks out the truth. We want you to be free thinkers. Like I want you to think for yourself. I'm not in, we're not interested in groupthink. Everyone think what Brad thinks or everyone thinks what, what Kylie thinks or everyone think what, what whoever thinks. It's, no, we're not interested in people's perspectives and philosophies. We have one rabbi, his name's Jesus, and we're interested in what he thinks and what he has to say and what he wants us to do. And we're fully submitted to whatever he wants us to do. If it costs us, it's still what he wants to do. It's like, well, that sounds like a good idea. Cool. That doesn't sound like a good idea to me, Jesus. But if that's what you want, we're going to do it. You know, that's, that's what we're yielded to, is following him. Do we disciple each other? Absolutely. Do we, is there spiritual authority in the kingdom? All of those things, yes. But there is one ultimate one that we are following. There's one rabbi that we're after, and that's Jesus. And we're all partnering together to do that. We want that revelation to be coming from every space in every sphere, not getting caught up in obscure perspectives on different theological concepts and, you know, are you pre-tribulation or post ah, who gives a crap? Like, I'm not, I'm Jesus. That's what we want to be about. Sorry, I, did, I said a bad word. I repent. We'll bleep it out on the video, just so no one knows, ooh, was it that bad? Um, that's it. Hey, let's pray. We're coming in here. Why you, if you're able to stand with me, we'd love to pray for you. great to have you back Andy thank you Lord thank you Jesus and we just thank you for the revelation of yourself Jesus even as the as the book of John says that you are you are the logos you are the word you are the message of the father to creation it's contained in you, Jesus. And as we pursue you in, in intimate relationship, as we pursue understanding of you, as we just learn what you were like, Jesus, what you thought and, and what you did. And you know, at the end of that passage in 1 Corinthians, it says that, you know, the Spirit of God searches out all the thoughts of God. And because we have the Spirit of God, it means we have the mind of Christ. We have all of your thoughts in us, Lord. For you desire that we would inquire of you, Lord. That we would learn you, Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would stir that desire in all of us, God. And maybe we didn't do great at school. I know for myself, I didn't finish high school. I was not good at school, Lord. But you teach me, God. And I inquire of you and you bring understanding. 
And so we thank you, Lord, that wherever we are, you're not wanting us to be intellectuals, Lord. You're wanting us to be lovers of you and inquirers of you, Jesus. And every one of us, Lord, can do that. Father, we might be ones to say, oh, I'm just, but I'm just not good at, at speaking or communicating or whatever. Lord, you, you promised to give us the words to say even. So we thank you, Lord, for the gifts of the teachers in this community, Lord. We thank you for the gift of teaching. We thank you that you are our teacher, our rabbi Jesus, the one that we can learn from and model our life upon. But I pray, Holy Spirit, you would just awaken for those of us who maybe we feel like we're just not equipped to do it, that we would understand and we'd have a revelation now. No, Jesus speaks to me. Jesus wants, he'll give me understanding as I inquire of him. And I can just sit with the Bible. I can just sit in prayer and inquire of the Lord and he'll impart wisdom to me. He'll impart understanding to me. I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul praying. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. And that's what this is my prayer for you as well. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So we thank you, Father, that you are giving us that spirit of wisdom and revelation. We just receive it, Lord. Yes, Father, we receive wisdom and revelation, God. Wisdom beyond our years. Revelation beyond what our minds have learned in the natural, Lord. We might not have seen it in a book, but you would reveal it to us. We might not even be able to read, Lord, and you can bring us revelation and understanding. You can impart wisdom, Father. And I just pray, Lord, even that you would mark us with wisdom as a community, God, that we would make wise decisions, Lord, in our personal lives, but also corporately as a church, Father, that wisdom would flow, that wisdom would flow, that wisdom would flow, Lord. Just thank you, Lord. We're not afraid of powerful people in this community, Lord. We want more powerful people to raise up, Lord. Powerful people that are yielded to Christ, yielded to your power and your authority, God. But we just pray, I just thank you, Lord, that you're just breathing on us, Father, just empowering this community to step into the fullness of who you've called them to be. Whether it be in the apostolic sphere, Lord, the prophetic sphere, the evangelistic sphere, the shepherding sphere, the teaching sphere, Lord. Just thank you, Father, you're calling us and you're saying, this is who I've made you to be. It's not pride to call yourself who God calls you. That's wisdom. It's not pride to call yourself who God has called you. That's wisdom. Father, I know we'll continue to talk more about this, Father, but I just want to pray again, just a blessing over the apostolic people in this community, Father. We just say, yes, Lord, continue the igniting, Father, of that gift set, Lord. I pray a blessing over the prophetic people in this community, Lord, that your voice would be heard, Father. We thank you, Lord, that your kingdom would expand through that apostolic and the prophetic, that that new foundation would be laid, Lord. We just thank you, Father, for churches birthed out of this church, Lord. 
for ministries birthed out of this church that will see this city and this region and this nation and the nations transformed, Lord. We thank you that there is no cap on your ability, Lord, and on your desire, Father. We just say, would you lift off the cap, God? We lift off the cap, Father. We lift off the cap, Lord. No limitation. Father, we bless and we pray, Father, for the evangelists in this community, Lord. We, we breathe life and a yes and say, yes, would you keep our eyes focused on the lost? Would you draw, keep our hearts drawn towards those who don't know Jesus? Father, we bless the shepherds in this house, Father, building healthy community, building healthy connection, Father, drawing people together. We're not called to do this alone, Father. We thank You for the wayward ones being brought in. We thank You for the prodigal sons being reconnected to family, Lord. Even the prodigal sons in the kingdom, Lord, being reconnected to family, finding their belonging, Lord. And if you feel like you have that calling or that gifting of a teacher in this community, would you come forward and we just wanna pray and bless you and pray an impartation upon you. Come forward now. ones that you have called to receive and impart revelation of the kingdom, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to lay hands on each one of you, but just want to pray as well corporately. Father, we just pray an impartation, Lord, of that teaching anointing. Father, we just pray increase now in Jesus' name. We agree. We thank you for the gift of who these people are, Lord. And Father, it's not about a platform. It's not about a position, Father. It's just simply being obedient to being part of your kingdom and part of your family and part of your, your mission to bring revelation and understanding across the earth. So we pray a blessing upon them, Lord impartation now in Jesus name. Amen.